What's up guys, Matt LaMarche here with Selling Sandy Springs and Keller Williams First Atlanta. Hope you guys are doing well. This is kind of a cool episode for me. A uh, guy reached out from my office, actually, another agent, and he lives over in the Smyrna Bindings area and wanted to talk a little more about Selling Sandy Springs and uh, kind of some of the strategy and uh, marketing and branding behind it. Uh, so we sat down on Wednesday at 11 o'clock and uh, chatted for a little while. And this is that conversation. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as, I'm, so I'm exactly like you. I don't believe in cold calling. I don't believe in door knocking. I'm a much softer approach, but I think a lot of people mistake that for I'm not hungry, mm-hmm. like most people are. Yeah. And so, for me, what it is, it's more of a pull. Like, I'm pulling you along with me, mm-hmm. as opposed to pushing, I'm a realtor, I'm a realtor, I'm a realtor, right? And so... The reason that I kind of developed selling Sandy Springs the way that I did was because we've only lived in this area for eight years, but I was born and raised in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I've got a ton of people that I know in this area, but in Sandy Springs in particular in the last eight years, I was the president of our homeowners association. I was involved with the Porsche Club of America. I am involved with them. Um, I was on the Sandy Springs zoning co- um, coalition page for a long time, which is like 1,300 people. I was involved, uh, the mayor appointed me to the, the uh, uh, Sandy Springs Zoning Advisory Board, which talks about building heights and setbacks. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I was super involved, but like I wasn't sure what it all was kind of leading to. Now I know. Like I had a landscape business. I built that up over about three and a half, four years, sold it in March, kind of like you. Like I couldn't ride those two horses and March, I had my first closing in real estate, so I was like, okay, I can actually do it now, <laughs> you oh, know, this past March, this past March. Really? so um, I had my first closing, and I was like, okay, I can do this, so I, I was kind of put in a position between that and uh, my main supervisor wanting to leave mm-hmm. the business, and he was moving to Florida to take, he was a diesel technician, so he got, he was going to get paid a lot more money, he was super overqualified for me, um, but everything, the stars started aligning there. And I was like, okay, I can do it and I need to get out of this. So I sold the business and basically made the pivot full-time into real estate. Um, and then had my second closing in June. We've got a contract uh, on a lake property of Hartwell right now. I mean, and things now, just now, after six months are starting to be like, oh, okay, it's actually working, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I started out just like you did with handwritten notes like crazy. I mean, 10 a day, basically, every day. Like, yeah, that's my goal, actually. Sunday through Saturday, you know what I mean? Like, just find that hour. It takes me about an hour to do it to really, like, put some thought into it. Um, but, yeah, I would go to Facebook. I started out with, like, my neighborhood um, and wrote to, like, everyone that supported me as the HOA <laughs> president. Thank you for your support. Thank you for attending. Thank you for being involved in the neighborhood, stuff like that. Um, and then I kind of took it out to the next ring, which was Sandy Springs. So every single person that I've interviewed for selling Sandy Springs, whether in a podcast or in video form, all got a, ha- a handwritten note. Thank you for taking 30 minutes out of your day to do this for me. Hopefully the, the content's valuable for you and you're utilizing it to its fullest potential because I'm doing it for free. I give of my time to do that. But then also, hopefully, they understand the strategy behind it is that, yes, I want to be a realtor and, yes, I want to gain their business as an individual, but I also want to gain their network's business and I want to, I want to cast a wider net. But that, to me, 
fits into my creativity, but also my opportunity to grow my network in a way that doesn't feel like I'm constantly bombarding people with, I'm a realtor, I'm a realtor, I'm a realtor, mortgage rates are low, it's a great time to buy, you know, all this, I look at every other realtor out there and I say, I'm basically just going to do the opposite. So between Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and, um, you know, all of the podcasts, the video, all of it, I'm, I'm basically saying, look, if you're moving from Texas or California or New York, why should you move to Sandy Springs in Atlanta? Because a lot of people just think Atlanta, right? So you could go watch 29, 30 episodes at this point and feel like you've got a pretty good feel of the neighborhood, some of the restaurants, a couple gyms. Like you start to kind of know some of the characters of this place. Um, and that for me is a huge thing because I'm going to uh, interview someone next week, actually three people, three or four people within an organiz- a huge organization here in Sandy Springs that they're going to share it internally, but then they're also going to share it, share it externally. And so, you know, mergers and acquisitions and relocation and everything else, I'm going to be the first realtor that they think of, hopefully, right? I'm not counting on 1,100 of those employees to all use me, but at some point, I know I'm going to get a referral because I shot a 20-minute video and spent 30 minutes editing it and another hour distributing it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we live in Smyrna. Mm -hmm. The thing I've realized, you can't in Atlanta just because the just the geography, you can't be a realtor everywhere. Yep. And um, I had my first listing late last summer. The owners wouldn't kind of get right with things, pricing and everything. You know, mm-hmm. We had power lines. They came back in December uh, with the right price. We sold it within a month. <laughs> Crazy how that happens, right? It is nuts. <laughs> And to your point earlier, it's like you're sitting at the closing table and you're like, okay, I sold a, I was the fifth realtor they had in a year and a half. Wow. And it's like, okay, I I got this. It's just, you have to figure uh, your entry into the market. Mm -hmm. And I want to focus in in Smyrna. Smyrna's, there's so much growth there, so much new local business. And I've, the nextdoor.com, Huge. So I've started using that, and I, I said last week, I said, please post your favorite local business or restaurant, because it's the cross-pollination. Mm-hmm. It's what I've noticed as I've looked at your stuff, and it's people wanting to use you versus you trying to make people use you. Exactly. And I am, you know, 22 years in government affairs, it's all about relationships. 100%. And this is all about relationships. 100%. Uh, so it's just figuring out how to leverage those relationships in a different capacity. Yeah, and I'll tell you, one of the, before I got started, I'll never forget this, because I thought, oh no, <laughs> when I first started. So I got my license in December. I was at a coffee and contacts event, I think in like October or November of last year. But I hadn't, I was basically getting ready to start the licensing process. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have my license yet. And I went to a coffee and contacts event with the chamber of commerce here and um you each get you know 30 45 seconds whatever to kind of give your elevator pitch and there was another realtor and again i wasn't at the time but there was another realtor in the same exact room as me that said and he went before me too which really kind of took some of my impact away <laughs> but he went first and he basically said, my name is so-and-so and I'm a local realtor and I want to interview local business owners, blah, 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 blah. I had this idea over a year ago 
but I didn't have I didn't have the time or the effort at that point, and I wasn't a realtor, so it didn't really line up mm-hmm. for me to go execute upon it. Um, and so I basically just had to wait. But while I was waiting, I was tasting and I was looking to see what other realtors were doing, because a lot of people will just look at like the last six months and go, "Wow, that's crazy!" How there was a whole year before that six months that really like laid the framework and the groundwork for what I thought could be a successful series. Um, and kind of get some attention and would be wildly popular with people in this area. So he stood up and he said, I want to interview you, uh, small business owners and, and nonprofits and this and that and the other, and I want to expose your business to everyone in Dunwoody. And I was like, oh, interesting. So it's right there. Big competition. I mean, it's kind of like Smyrna Vikings, right? Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. And, uh, and so I was like, I kind of got a little defeated, if I'm being like, mm-hmm. 100% honest, I was like, someone's already doing it, yeah. you know, but the like entrepreneur in me, the self-motivated guy was like, but he's doing Dunwoody, why can't you do Sandy Springs, like, because ultimately, I mean, look, I would love to have a multi-million dollar production about Atlanta, but I also know that you got to start somewhere in order to get somewhere else, and for me, I love this area, and I love everything that's going on, and it's why we moved here, honestly. There's movement, <laughs> you yeah. know. Sandy and Springs is great. I mean, to me, Sandy Springs and Smyrna are two of my favorite yeah. communities. They're very similar. Yeah. They're very, very similar. And people, like you said, people forget Atlanta is not just Atlanta. Atlanta exactly. is like 18 counties in a metro area. Precisely. And there's, you know, it's 150 miles from one end to the other, and it's... You have to figure out where you want to live, what's, yeah. what's you, what's your personality. And that's a huge part of why I did, because before me and my wife moved, and my wife was a realtor at the time when we bought our house, mm-hmm. so she wrote the contract and everything, um, but I told her, like, my parameter was 75, north of 285, over to 400. Like, if we could get in there, I was willing to go into Dunwoody, but really didn't want to pay an extra $100,000 for a house that was basically the same size. The schools and private and everything else kind of came into the Uh equation and into the fold later on when we started having kids. But we were looking for two years before we even bought our house here. But in that two years, the more I read and the more I studied Sandy Springs, I was like, I have to be here. We don't have a choice. No longer East Cobb, no longer Marietta. You know what I mean? Like for us, and especially for me, it took a lot of convincing for my wife to be like, we need to move to this area and here's why. So I had to kind of build that for her. And then... Ultimately, when, when we found our place, I mean, we looked at 200 homes in this area over the course of two years. And, um, and I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we did. Because honestly, for me, this area is, is almost like a representation of who I am. Like transformation. When we moved here, we were just starting our family. I wanted to put down roots. I make the joke all the time that the next house we buy is at the beach. You know, we're not moving. Like, we're not normal you know, typical home buyers that seven, five years, whatever, um, we're, we're going to, you know, upgrade or downgrade or whatever. So for us, this is home. You I know? told my wife the same thing. We, um, we moved back to Smyrna about three and a half years ago. We built a house in 2000 at Heritage of Findings at John Whelan Development. Mm-hmm. So that's when Smyrna was really kind of yeah. starting to get some flames. Um, and when we moved back here to this house we're in now, I said, the next move is to Reynolds Plantation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not doing this again. I'm too old. And I like, to your point, that Smyrna, I feel like, reflects me because it has a s- certain amount of a small town feel. Mm. But you're 
you know, 12, 14 miles from downtown. Yep. So you have both. Yep. And, you know, it, 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 every, a lot of people have lived there forever. So it, it, there's an element of just that, you know, small town feel, which I grew up in Gainesville, mm-hmm. Georgia. Yeah. And it has a little bit of that. So it's a nice, nice mix. Yep. It's very similar to Sandy Springs in that it's a small, it feels like a small city in a big city. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's been one of the common threads throughout this whole thing. Everyone I talk to, it doesn't matter if they've been in the city for three days or for 30 years, they all say the exact same thing. It's a very tight knit community. The people that are involved, the people that, you know, um, from the government level to the business level, like developers I've met, home builders I've met, everyone I've met over the last eight years, they all know each other. And some of them, it's just like that one degree of separation that I meet someone that knows a hundred other people that I know. I'm like, this is crazy. How have we never run into each other? You know, there's still several generations who've lived in Smyrna it's, that are kind of it's crazy. Yeah. So you mentioned Peggy earlier. I live in her neighborhood. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. And I talked to her before I joined this office uh-huh. because she knew kind of what I was planning, and she. Um, knew about my landscape business as well. She speaks highly of you. Well, that's sweet of her. She's awesome. (laughs) So, um, so in our neighborhood, there's several families, I want to say five or 10 that their kids that are my age, thirties, forty, early forties, grew up in that neighborhood. Like their parents bought their first house in the seventies or in the eighties. And now they've moved out of that house and built other houses or moved into other houses. I mean, no joke. There's like 10 families that have never lived anywhere else in Atlanta and have only lived in Mount Vernon Woods, which is crazy to me because we moved. My parents were habitual about it. We moved every three to seven years pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. So throughout my, you know, 21 years of living there, I mean, we were in five different, six different homes, but For me, that's why, that was another reason that we chose the neighborhood that we chose, because it felt like a big family. It felt like a community that was kind of very easy to get into, but also very inclusive. And the swim tennis and stuff and the socials all help with that. I mean, that's why I wanted to get involved with the HOA was because, A, I wanted to meet some more of my neighbors, but B, I told my wife, especially with young kids, it was like, look, I just got to get this out of my system and, and kind of give back more or less because we're going to be here for 20 years. So let me just put in like three or four or five years and then we'll be good. And it's so an investment. it is. And that's what I think is missing from today's world is that it's easy. You mentioned next door earlier. It's easy for us to get on there and bang away about how bad the neighborhood is or how bad a crime wave was or uh, people you know, leaving their carports, whatever, right? The the lost cats and dogs and everything else that goes along with it. But for me, I was using it as like a positivity thing where, in fact, just last week, I I took a picture of a guy, two guys, I think it was father, son, out like sprucing up our entrances to our neighborhood. Well, we used to pay a landscaper to do that, you know, every couple months or whatever. And so when I was president, we cut that out because Mount Vernon is getting ready to get redone. And so they're basically going to end up removing those signs and doing away with them. Anyway, I took a picture of it and I shared it on there because I'm like, that's the type of stuff that I'd rather see on next door. Not the lost dogs and cats. I mean, I, utilitarian side of yeah. me is like, that stuff is great <laughs> because when I need it, I want it. Yeah, it's a great venue for that. But right. I mean, that's not like negative or positive. Right. I mean, the, you know, we're having an issue with a plant that's in our kind of in our vicinity now and the people have just lit it up. Mm-hmm. 
you know, every legislative <laughs> council person because they think they have the magic power yep. to just wave a wand and well, and that's that's the unfortunate part, and I've said it so many times in different Facebook groups and even on Nextdoor that, like, it's a shame, and you know Rusty, so it's a shame, but Rusty Paul, the mayor of Sandy Springs, doesn't get on Nextdoor to read comments. No. He just doesn't. That's not how the process worked. How the process works is you go to City Hall, or you ask him for a cup of coffee, or you meet him at his office, you do whatever it takes to get his attention, and fortunately, unlike many... He's got pretty much like an open door policy. He's busy, mm-hmm. but you can meet with him. I have Rusty, on several times. Yeah, Rusty's been a friend probably twenty years, and hmm. I, um, you know he's he's a great. I mean, you, you see under his leadership what Sandy Springs has become. Sandy Springs and Smyrna both have the the commonality of like they didn't have a city center exactly. or a downtown, exactly. so we built one. Y'all built yep. one, and you know that brings people together with mm-hmm. your concerts and various things. Yep. So that gives otherwise kind of a blank piece blank property a blank community blank community some um, center that they can come to they can you know um, you need that venue you really do. do and we had that missing for so long that I mean we had Heritage Sandy Springs and several smaller places but nothing that I mean thousands of people could attend events and stuff and to me I, I think you're exactly right I think that when you add that element to it, it really starts to, to feel more like a community. Mm-hmm. They need a place to go. And whether it's inside or outside on the green, I mean, there's just so much to do there. I mean, I was there this morning for two hours. One hour for a developer meeting, and then another hour I was working out, you know? So to me, and then you've got all the restaurants and everything else, but you need the city, a city needs a venue like that to really plop down and, like you said, concerts and events and you know, we did food that rocks a couple months ago. That was unbelievable. There were like five thousand people there. I mean, it was crazy. But you're exactly right. You need a venue. You need that hub in order for people to feel more connected. And what's great about it is a lot of people can drive in, but even more people probably could walk there. And especially with all the apartments, and a lot That's of people amazing. are crazy about where the apartment development has gone. But when we as realtors look at where the money was being lent, it was all multifamily. You know, five years ago, six years ago, not many people were building new homes and and new tracks, and there's not many to do here or in Smyrna, really. But um, the money was in multifamily, and so all these apartments got built. At what they're renting for, though, it's like it's it's crazy. It's a house. (laughs) It's a. It is definitely a mortgage. I mean, just a one bedroom, one bath. You know, I can't remember. I mean, it was like twelve or thirteen hundred dollars or something like that. Yeah. you know, that's, that is a house payment. I mean, it's not going to be a huge house, but it's still, you know, but it's a your, house. your investment. Yeah. Something, something <laughs> exactly. You, something you have or exactly. something you move out of. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they've got them renting for 2800 and 3800 in downtown Sandy Springs. Oh, I believe it. But that's the thing. It's like when, to your point, investors wanted, you know, multifamily, they wanted apartments, they wanted to have ownership of them. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you go around, you look at a lot of the multifamily buildings and what I've noticed is more than not are apartments versus condos and um, um, yeah condos so yeah. it's the market just shifts and a lot of that's just driven by investors yeah and, and my thought on it was I mean look I think there's definitely something to be said for like overbuilding but as long as the banks are lending I mean we live in a capitalistic country right as long as the, as the banks are lending they have to get built 
And if they're building, that's a good thing. Like, you don't want no development. You want some development happening. You don't manage development. Exactly. And smarter development, to me, is where we've really been able, especially over, like, the last three years, really been able to kind of tighten the reins down. Because while it's great to have money pouring into the city, it is an infrastructure thing where you have to look at the roads, you have to look at the infrastructure around us. I mean, you know, Marta runs through here, but hardly anyone in Sandy Springs outside of a very small population, 20% maybe, actually utilize it on a regular basis. I mean, me and my wife use it for football games and base, what used to be baseball games, and then to go to the airport. <laughs> and that's like it, you know? So I think that what, that's one of their bigger challenges here is trying to find new and innovative ways to connect. Because I was sitting in a developer meeting one time, and this developer was like, look, I used to develop up in the Northeast where basically you would just develop it to a point where it was faster for them to get out of their cars and ride a bike or walk or Uber or, you know, now there's so many options that we don't, we don't have to be restricted. Well, the, I mean, the trains left the station in Atlanta as far as transit goes because, you know, we didn't build out MARTA from mm-hmm. a rail standpoint. And I know I don't mind riding you know yeah. the rail but it's hard to I mean we live like I said Smyrna you're a little closer yeah. I mean with Dunwoody Station and everything but it's you know the connectivity is so key to get mm-hmm. people to these locations yep and you know five miles can take you 30 minutes so uh, you have to come up with a reason for people to you know walk and the, what y'all done in uh, Sandy Springs is a walk bicycle community mm-hmm. now and the along the uh, Roswell corridor mm-hmm. and especially walking just over the restaurants coffee yep city center and everything it's you know it's it's trying to bring things back to where they were when our grandparents were alive where you could <laughs> walk downtown and yeah. do that kind of thing that's right but and it would reduce traffic that's right but you know people don't realize the infrastructure is so important because sewer systems have to be you know, retrofitted, increased capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you mentioned earlier that you were appointed by Rusty to planning. Yeah, it was a zoning advisory board, and basically it was home builders, commercial builders. Uh, there weren't, I don't think there were any real estate at the time, but that was three year, two and a half, three years ago. Um, when I was president of the HOA, there were several other um, homeowners represented, homeowners associations represented, um, even just some business owners that lived and kind of, you know, knew this area and what was going on. And, um, and basically, you know, the, the comprehensive plan is like your, your plan for 10 years and they called ours the next 10. And then the zoning advisory board basically put the teeth to that plan. So the zoning ordinances, what you could and couldn't build, um, you know, the setbacks and building height and everything. I mean, it was basically the framework or, or the, the context within which you had to work as a builder, both commercially and residentially. Um, and that was a really cool experience because I'm sitting right next to a commercial developer that's talking about building a 17 you know, story building. And they're like, well, this isn't going to work for us. It's too restrictive. Meanwhile, I'm going, this looks great. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we don't need any more traffic or, or we want to we limit the amount of growth. And to your point earlier, smarter growth, like planned growth, thoughtful growth, because 
there is something to be said for all that money coming in, but then you do have to balance it with, we still want people to live here and want to live here. And so, you know, that, that constant pendulum is swinging. And, and I think we've kind of reached a middle point where the builders now understand that the tree canopy is really important. The rivers and streams and air quality and water quality is super important to people in this area. I mean, if you take a drone up, you know, 5,000 feet above Sandy Springs, it's still mostly forest. Um, and even at that meeting this morning that I was at, they were talking about if you grade this for a new home, you have to replace this many trees on it. Um, so they're, they're very thoughtful about that. And I don't think they get enough credit for what they've put in place already, but what they're continuing to do, you know, because that's a, it's a big challenge. I mean, we live at a crossroads where East Cobb and Dunwoody and Roswell to the north and Buckhead to the south. I mean, we're in this nexus right? yeah. where so many people cross over us all day long and a lot of people come in and yeah, a lot of people go out. Big will. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and you've got the people, like the ones that you were talking about, like the people who were, have lived in your neighborhood. And Sandy Springs has a ton of neighbors like yours mm-hmm. where people have just generational. Yep. Um, Big time. But, and they're the people, a lot of those people are not in my backyard, folks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, y'all have done a lot of not in my backyard kind of development since the way they see it. And also the way probably some environmentalists see it because of trees and because of, um, you know, various because you have runoff issues, you have mm-hmm. all these environmental issues, but then you've got the people who are, you know, pro-business and would like to see, you want to see Sandy Springs go to that next level. Yep. And we, I used to work at the Department of Community Affairs and all the comprehensive plans and uh, came through there in our planning department. Yeah. So it was always interesting to go over there and, you know, just try to understand the components of a community and what For it sure. takes. And It's a lot. People underestimate it. Oh, and a good plan, good city planners, you know, worth his weight in gold. A hundred percent. So, a hundred percent. We, I mean, we have to look at that. We have to. um, It's a balance Mm -hmm. because, you know, we see I see developments constantly in Smyrna, and I mean, I love it. You know, townhomes six, seven hundred thousand dollars. But you know, I mean, part of it too, you have to look at. affordability and you know you're pushing some of the workforce out and you know that's a bigger picture than what you and I can oh yeah look at but (laughs) there's so many you know when you kind of work in these areas you start you look at you look at it in a comprehensive way it's like okay you know how do we do this that Mm -hmm. best benefits our city there's always two sides there's always two sides there's people that want it and there's people that don't there's people that want it higher and there's people that want it lower there's people that want it black and there's people that want it white and once you understand that then you are able to make a better decision right because i get that developers want to be in this area and they want to be here for very good reason the property values are ridiculously high i mean if you look at like the per acre just residential right now it's like $400,000 an acre to buy a piece of land here. And that's not even commercial. Commercial's like 10x. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. It is crazy. Um, so that's why they're moving here. That's why they want to build here. But then you've got the neighbors, the multi-generational families that have been here for years and years and years. And they want to see their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids live and work and play in Sandy Springs. At some point... 
we have to figure out who's going to win this time or next time. Like, and like you said earlier, it's, it's cyclical that the apartments won for like three or four years yeah. and we built a ton of them. But you need diversity in not just in homes, but in a community like this. Um, you need diversity of office buildings and of different uses of space. I think that's one thing that they really dug into a lot and providing like mixed use developments. Um, there's a lot more of those now than there ever have been. And they're a newer concept, but they work. I mean, it's what the millennials want. It's what the younger folks want. They want to live upstairs, walk downstairs, grab their coffee, pick up their dry cleaning, and then go to work and have it all right yeah, there. So work, eat, play, work, live, play. Mm-hmm. And I would love it. I mean, because, you know. It's convenient. I, there's a lazy part of me that doesn't want to <laughs> For sure. You know, I have to drive to an office. For and, sure. And, you know, that way you you are part of the community. And I think mixed use developments are a great way to be, to achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Several different, you know, generate millennials. Absolutely. Gen X, whatever we are, I'm not sure. <laughs> I was called Gen Y, and then someone called me a millennial one time, and whatever. Um, but yeah, so um, so kind of going back to like selling Sandy Springs and what you're thinking about doing. What are you, what are you struggling with, or what are you thinking about that um, that I can help you with, or that I might be able to answer for you. Um. Has the selling Sandy Springs been? Have you converted it into leads or to? Because here's the thing. I mean, it takes. You were talking that you you had you've had your license what eight nine months. Yeah, I got it. I started here on January first. So, you know, it could take 10, 12, 16 months of continually doing what you're doing. And mm-hmm. what I'm hoping you'll mentor me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, to you know become like. The realtor, mm-hmm. and I mean Smyrna has a ton of realtors. Sandy Springs certainly, yeah. and there's plenty to go around in both sure. places. But I think you have to. I think you you're doing a great job marketing yourself to a so people know you not as a realtor with Keller Williams, and that's a great thing to be. But as selling Sandy Springs, because you know rising waters raises all ships, exactly. And if you can bring business to the local coffee shop or give awareness to a nonprofit where you know people might want to invest in them and you know if they have you in mind if you're the first realtor that, that comes to mind you know we all can generate a nice living absolutely doing that absolutely and it only helps the community too correct um and you know i think the, uh, I was listening to one of your podcasts uh, with Miss Tilly, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, that's a great nonprofit because it really is taking people, uh, women who are they don't have a career path, they don't have you know any idea of what they're doing, but people would know that that resource is here in you know Sandy Springs, except for you bring it to their attention. And I didn't know about it. Uh-huh. I mean, a month ago, if you had asked me, I'd be like, huh, what? <laughs> yeah, and all that was was a conversation with someone over a cup of coffee that was like, "Look, here's what I'm doing. Um, do you know anyone that might be interested?" And she sent me ten names. Here you go. I was like, "Fantastic!" <laughs> so you just have to ask. I think that's the first thing. And for me, there's like a philosophical thing. There's two philosophical things that are kind of going on with this series. So to answer your original question, I I finally have gotten a lead from the podcast. <laughs> There was a guy that Googled Sandy Springs Real Estate Podcast. 
and mine was the first, the only one <laughs> that came up because no one's doing that. Yeah. You know, it's such a niche. And when you like, I would never search that. I would, I might search Sandy Springs real estate agent yeah. or Sandy Springs real estate, but you're going to get a hundred as soon as you throw a podcast in there, game changer. Oh, you know what I mean? Yours, it's basically one. Even just Atlanta podcast, right? There's still a thousand of those probably. Um, so, yes, I have gotten a lead from it. He's a buyer. Uh, him and his wife are, are looking to move to this area. They live down near Lenox right now, trying to get out of the city a little bit, but be closer to the river and some of the yeah. kind of suburban life that we have out here as much as it is. Um, so, yes, it has converted. That happened like a month ago. And so six months in, went from here's an idea, here's some marketing, here's a brand play to conversion. Like, it brought me a lead. Now... Having said that, like, that's cool. Check that box. But at the same time, the countless conversations that I've had over the last six months as a result of the podcast or the videos, a hundred or more, probably. Um, None of them said, oh, I'm going to buy or sell with you because of it. But this one guy finally did. So six months in, that's my my metric. More conversation starter. A hundred percent. And, and honestly, it was kind of funny. I was talking to some other marketing people and uh, on Instagram, I was doing a story about um, what do you think the first thing I asked them was at this conversation? I didn't know them from Adam. Mm-hmm. So we sat, down, we sat down at a Starbucks, him and his wife were there. And I said, and I put in my Instagram story, what do you think is the first thing I asked him? And I, you know, most, I should have gotten probably a little more technical, but most people said, hi, how are you? And well, yeah, okay, I'm not weird. But uh, the first question I asked him was, how did you find me? Because we had email exchanged a couple times, and he said, basically, we're just looking for this size home, this price range, blah, 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 and Sandy Springs. And I was like, great. But I mean, this came out of left field, like just a random email. No one said in the email, hey, by the way, uh, so-and-so sent me to you or whatever else. I had no context for how he found me. So the first question, I sat my coffee down, I sat down in the chair and I said, how did this happen? How did you hear about me? How did, and he legitimately said, I Googled Sandy Springs Real Estate Podcast and you came up. And I was like, that's insane. I would have never thought of Googling that. <laughs> it's insane, right? Not even for Atlanta, but Correct. when you're getting into your little micro Correct. areas. Correct. 100%. That's hilarious. But so, that's- uh, so there's that. Mm-hmm. So that one lead, and again, the hundreds of conversations that we'll be out at dinner somewhere and someone will grab me. Um, I'll be at a city meeting and someone will say, I love what you're doing with the podcast or I love the video series. And like that to me is so cool. Mm-hmm. Like just for that, you know, yeah. because I'm good <laughs> then. I mean, if they send me a lead six months from now, am I going to absolutely ex- accept it? 100%. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's like the philosophical deep down, like legacy thing for me is that. It ingrains you into the community a Correct. lot more. Correct. And people get used to it. And that's, really like one of the biggest things that I could recommend is that you've got to be consistent. I, How do you mark, do you just use social media or what are, what are the avenues that you draw people in? Yeah, so I, if I meet someone, they go into my database, I get their card or I friend them on Facebook or I connect with them one way or another, LinkedIn. I mean, some people like one, some people like another, some are on all. As realtors, I feel like I gotta be everywhere all the time, not crushing content, but I mean, even just now recording this, putting it out later on the podcast, someone's going to listen to it or see it and share it with someone else at some point. And so it's just that ripple effect. You have Um, a reason for people to come find you. Correct. Correct. 
I mean, people don't realize, but just the social media aspect of real estate is it can take a few hours a day just to. It's a full time sure. job. Yeah. Oh, selling Sandy Springs is my other full time job. I mean, between the video, the podcast, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, I mean, it's everywhere. Literally, you can find it everywhere. And I mean, that's seven day, that's seven different platforms, seven different days that I got to put something out or try to put something out to keep the conversation going. But the biggest piece of advice I could give you is consistency. It's very similar to farming. You know, if you're trying to sell every home in your neighborhood of 40 homes, you know what you've got to do to get to that level. If people are moving every seven years, that neighborhood's going to turn over in the next seven to 10 years, probably on average, right? And so if those 40 people only know you as a realtor, I'm, I'm equating that to your community. And then I'm taking it the next ring out. And then I'm taking it the next mm-hmm. ring out because I think that in order for the numbers to work in our world where we're pull instead of push, I think that we have to work differently. The numbers have to be greater mm-hmm. because I can cold call 50 people right now and maybe one, two people will say, yeah, let's have a conversation about it. But that's not how I want it to go down. How I want it to go down is I want them to, to send me an email and say, hey, I heard the podcast. Hey, I saw one of the videos and I'm going to that gym now because of your video. You know, like that type of loyalty to me is not, you can't buy it. And it's not a complete warm lead, but it's a lot better than a cold lead. And it feels a lot warmer and than a cold lead. I mean, I mean they're coming, they want to talk to you. Exactly. They want to communicate with you. And that's, I think, what the biggest strikeouts for most agents is that they're pushing all of this real estate content. And it's like, yeah, we got it. You're a real estate agent, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but what else do you do? Like I have two kids, I'm married, I'm in the Porsche club. I do this, I do that. So like me kind of vlogging more or less through Instagram is sharing all of that. You know, I'm going to the gym, I'm my daily thing, Mm -hmm. but then also some bits of value, whether it's in real estate or in, a DIY or a building a podcast or had a video or whatever. I mean, I try to let the audience dictate what they want to see from me. Sometimes they give me input and sometimes they don't. But for me, I think it's going to be really, really cool. So to go back to like the philosophical thing, deep down, those people, those over 100, 150 people at this point that have come up to me and said, hey, I saw the video, heard the podcast. I love what you're doing. Like that just warms me to the core. Right. And I'm good. I'd love to get leads from it. And I believe that it will turn at some point to where I'm getting a lead a week or a lead a month because of that. Just because of that. meaningful. Correct. Secondary to that, between the podcast and the video series especially, and it's like, it's kind of weird because I'm doing it for me, but I'm also doing it for a lot of other people. And I don't mean I'm putting the video out for that organization or for that business or for that nonprofit. I'm doing that for me for content, but I'm also doing it for my kids. I want, I want my kids to watch this stuff and I want to hear, I want them to hear my voice and go, that's pretty cool. You know, like dad got to meet a lot of really cool people over the last five, 10, 15, whatever. There's just a big part of me that's like super guilty about that. And that came along because, um, like over the last three or three to five years, I lost both my grandfathers, super entrepreneurial guys. Like I would kill to hear their voice and what they were going through in 1976 in business. I mean, that would just be so cool to me, you know, but I don't have it. 
So now, I mean, I've got pictures, we've got videos and stuff, which is super like meaningful to me, but I want my kids to have that. And I want my great grandkids to have that now. And even in this context, like we're not, we're not talking about stuff that's super um, philosophical in terms of like the content. We're talking about business and we're talking about nonprofits and we're talking about what makes a community great and interviewing individual contributors and people that just live in this area. I mean, it's not like super contextual for them, but it will be because it's me. That's all yeah, that matters. Absolutely. You know? Um, so to me, like those two are like, don't mess with those because those will work. And I kind of think people, like if they're coming to an area, I mean, they that gives, what you're doing gives them a little more feeling about you versus like calling up some random realtor or re- agent or whatever. Absolutely. And Absolutely. you know, where they might want to call like a local realtor to get a referral. You know, they see that you're an expert in Sandy Springs. And if that's where they want to be, that's who they need to exactly. hire. Exactly. That's exactly right. So yes, it... We all talk about how we only want to work with people that we like and that we trust and that are going to basically do right by us, which us, especially as fiduciaries, we have to think about the transaction and what's best for the client. They can't always see that, right? But by putting this type of content out every single week, my hope is that my relationship with someone that finds me on the podcast that's hearing me when they meet me, it's the same exact guy, you know? There's no, I don't put on a show for the podcast. I don't put a show on yeah. for, I mean, this is, this is the podcast. Mm-hmm. This is the, the video. It's just a conversation. And so as long as we don't mess with those two bits that I'm going to be proud of my kids listening to this and I, I can't wait for them to hear some of this stuff. And then I'm doing it for me for like, there's just something every time over the last six months that I've gone like a week or two and haven't gotten feedback or put something out and it doesn't get as many views as I thought it would. It gets a little depressing and you're like, it's personal, but is it really? Yeah. Well, and when you're putting in full-time work to it, man, it's like, it can get really kind of discouraging, (laughs) but I would question it. And then like, no sooner than I question it, I'll go and run out and meet someone for lunch. And someone stops by and goes, I saw that video about so-and-so that was a great, and I'm like, okay, we start a whole other month over. Like, just that rejuvenates me, honestly. Like, it pu- it makes me want to push them to go. Okay, it's worth it. It's working, and it's worth it. You know, those are those two things to me are so important that I don't mess with anything else. And that's why I try not to build like a script or why don't you say this or can you rephrase that this way? Like, it's just. I mean, literally, there's so little editing that goes into it. And honestly, that's why I've been able to do it for six months is because. When it's a full-time job like it is, you have to really think about the end and where do you want it ultimately to go? Do you want it to build a business that can bring you a lead a week or five leads a week? Because it's just going to require different amounts of effort. I really believe that. And the effort that I'm putting into it at this point is about all I can handle with my current business, Mm -hmm. with family life. Like, I'm good. I would love to get up to an episode a day, but that's that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, so no, you, you said one thing. I think people people can de- detect pretty easily insincerity. Hundred percent. And and they'll smoke you out too. Big time. Another <laughs> thing, people like to talk, so all you have to do is throw a couple baits out there and a couple lines. And I mean, it's their business. Because <laughs> you know, like I was listening to that one, I'm like, I heard you speak 
say two or three sentences in 30 minutes, you know? <laughs> exactly. It just went, you know. It, but it that's what's great about it. That's what's great about it. I mean, there's only been one or two episodes, candidly, that, like, I really had to, like, so what else about the business? You know what I mean? Like, there's just, and that's just, I think, different people, different personalities that, you know, I'm pretty extroverted, and so it's easy for me to throw me anywhere and I'll find a friend type yeah. thing. Um, but at the same time, being sensitive and empathetic to not everyone's comfortable on audio, not everyone's comfortable certainly on video. I don't know what it is. More and more people have said they'd do the podcast versus the video, which is one of these shifts that I'm like, do we need to go all podcast now because of people don't like the way their hair was that day or something? Like, it's super weird in that thing. But there's only been a, a two or three episodes where I'm like, so tell us a little more about what makes you different. You know, like... If you ask me about my lawn care business, I would just smash it for 30 minutes. It's like Rusty talking about the city. He, I could be there all day. Yeah. He could talk about the city all day long. It's just what will people listen to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I have a face for podcasts, so <laughs> we're doing it the right way. Well, there's a video camera. So do you do a podcast and a video cast once a week, or do you change it up? Or how, what's your schedule yeah so a couple months ago i went over and uh, so the guy i was telling you about earlier that i met at the coffee and contacts he's not doing it anymore i think he got like 14 or 15 episodes into it and quit mm-hmm. and i don't even know if he's doing oh, real yeah, estate yeah, yeah, anymore yeah. Mm-hmm. but there's another group uh there's two guys over in dunwoody uh, what's up dunwoody podcast mm-hmm. they only do video or uh, audio rather um they don't do any video i think they do like events and a lot of facebook marketing through groups and um uh, networking events and they're doing a ton of stuff in that front but they're only podcast so I went on their podcast to talk about what I was doing in Sandy Springs um, back in like February or March and I was only doing video at that point and I saw how easy it was to do the podcast and I'm giving those guys credit I don't want you to think that I'm like disparaging them I saw how easily it was convertible and so I took the audio out of the video and made that the podcast because I basically now I'm just double dipping and it gives you a whole new, I mean, a lot more people will listen to the podcast than will watch the videos. It just is what it is. It's easier. It's passive. So you can drive down the road listening. Exactly. You don't have to be holding your phone in traffic or whatever. And it's the exact same content. So like yeah. if we refer to something or if you hear something in the podcast, you can then go watch the video and see what we were talking about if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I like that cross pollination as well. So those guys basically pushed me into podcasting because I already had the audio going. I have a microphone and we plugged it in and we went away. And it's easy to strip the audio out of it. And now we've got a podcast. Um, for me, though, it was, it was really important in about like April or May to start adding more context for me about who I am, what I believe in, my business philosophy that... All of this looks and sounds really pretty, but when it comes to a real estate transaction, like, why me? Because that's important. I mean, as good as it might be to share more about the community and the city and what's going on and the development that's happening and everything that I know there, mm-hmm. I still have to be a real estate agent at the end of the day. And so in that time frame, in like that April and May time frame, I got my first listing and uh, we listed it. We had it under contract in four days. And um, I blasted it out on podcast, I put it in a video, I put it on Instagram, I put it on Facebook, I put that listing everywhere. And my estimate is that somewhere between 20 and 25,000 people saw 
that listing at some point between Zillow, all the other websites, um, FMLS, I mean, everywhere, 25,000-ish, somewhere in there. It's my estimation. So did you do podcast and video or? So basically, I just mentioned it. I said, uh, I've got a new listing. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how you incorporate it into a podcast. So yeah. it's just basically one, two, three Main Street. Exactly. Happy to have it. Exactly. Here's the FMLS number or the MLS number. Here's, you know, the address. If you want to pull it up on Zillow, there's a link here. Go there, you know, just, and I'm not great at that. I'm getting better. But that to me, like, uh, the way I look at it is those spokes of the wheel. Mm-hmm. And Facebook is one. Twitter is another. I don't do Twitter, but Instagram, you know. All of those are basically feeding the business in the middle. And when you do one on one platform, you need to go promote it on the other platform so that it all comes back to the business. Because I think I'm really, really good at producing stories, um, whether it's in video form or in podcast form. But if you don't connect all those dots, and if I don't tell a good story over here, but I tell a better one over here, I need to put over here that I told a really good story over yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, so that one sold, we, we had that one under contract in four days. It sold wow. for 30,000 more than we listed it for. Congratulations. It's great, right? Yeah, like, so at the end of the day, the market softened a little bit. So I mean, and, know, and we closed, market, yeah, we closed in June percentage. and that to me was like, okay, here's all this cutesy yeah. stuff about the city and stuff, right? As other people's words, not mine. And let me just show you how we do business now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that really like put a couple people in their place because I got, I got some feedback, some critical feedback from some other realtors. And I was like, oh, you don't think I can play this game, huh? You don't think I can negotiate? You don't think I can, you know, walk the oh, walk, yeah. huh? Okay. Let me show that, you. <laughs> that's interesting. That's really interesting. And that was super like for me, like. I, I'm so insular. I don't really care what other people think. I mean, I do, but I really don't. As long as me and my wife and my kids are good, mm-hmm. we're good. You know? Yeah, that's my measure. That's my barometer <laughs> right there. And then in the same breath, I'm like, but I really want people to like me and I want to do business with more people, you know? Um, but you can't have both at the same time. It's a balance. And so there are just ebbs and flows to that where I'm super empathetic to other people and I want to give back and I want to do more for people that are not me, you know? And that's why that other principle is so important is because I want people to feel like I gave them something. I want them to feel like I put them on a pedestal, even if it's only for 15 minutes that week, I want them to feel like we crushed it for them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know the video is not like super high quality, but what I mean- What do you use it actually? The iPhone. Do you really? Yeah. It shoots in 4K and you know, 30, 60 frames per you second. Have a stand or something? Or? Yeah, I use a uh, tripod. Okay. That's what yeah. I was actually curious about. Cause, yeah. Because it's like the how-to. Yeah. Yeah, the video is great. I mean, it really does do... When do you use the microphones? Yeah, so these are actually for the podcast. So, like, if... if I mean, I can do it either way. Mm-hmm. It's great because you can... If you have an iPhone, uh, you can do voice memo and then upload it straight to the podcast. It's done. Yeah. Wow. I mean, literally that fast. I email it to myself, I download it to the computer, it's done. Upload it and it's done. And so I use these. If, if I want a little higher quality sound, I'll use these. Um, but for the most part, for the video, I have a tripod and then a little microphone in here that attaches to that camera and or the, the iPhone. And I set it up on top and test out a little bit. But as long as we're in a quiet area or room, yeah. office somewhere, it's 
typically no problem at all. And I've been in gyms, like cavernous, you know, echoey. Yeah. Typically okay, you just put it on them and, and they're good. Um, but like tactical, I mean, 50, 75, maybe 100, 125 bucks for all of that. I have a, um, a little gimbal that I use with the iPhone as well for like B-roll footage. Like if I'm showing a gym, I'll show all their equipment and stuff. And while the person's talking about the gym and the, the, their philosophy on fitness, I'll show part of the gym or the kickboxing bags or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that makes it look a lot more professional. It's very smooth. It's not just me walking around, you know, shooting video. It's a gimbal. Yeah. Um, I don't have it in here. But basically it's, it's like a stick with a little um, holster on the top of it. This, uh, the cam, the mm-hmm. iPhone snaps into it. You turn it on and then it basically will stabilize oh, wow. the, the video for you. So, you know, you see these guys with massive, you know, contraptions where they're holding the video like this or, move, you know, moving it up. All that's doing is keeping the camera nice and smooth. And so that's basically what that gimbal is. I was does. wondering how you did that because, yeah. I mean, I know. Just that, though, adds, like, so much more quality to it. Oh, it's like huge. for I think that thing was a hundred bucks. So I probably have like two hundred or so all in. Mm-hmm. Um but just that alone, like especially for the first like ten episodes, there was a lot of B roll. There was a bakery that we went to and a gym and a barber shop. Mm-hmm. Like just smoothing all that stuff out. I mean it takes it to the next level. Is it where I want it to be two years from now? Absolutely not. But we're here now. <laughs> where do you get more traction out of the podcast or the video? Um it depends. It really depends. The way that I communicate when I'm filming is I'm providing you the 20%. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give yeah. you the 20%. you got to go do the 80. And the 80 is distribution. So I'm going to give you 20%. I'm going to give you the video. I'm going to give you the audio. I'm going to give you whatever you want through my platform, through Selling Sandy Springs, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook. And then it's up to you to share and distribute it. I'm going to do it already. But it's as simple as you go into Facebook, hitting share, your yeah. company page, your personal page, like it doesn't matter. Because on my, I think I have 2,000 friends. If I share something, are all 2,000 probably going to see it? No. But let's say half of them do. Well, let's say you have 2,000 friends, but let's say half of yours do. Instantly, I've doubled my audience just by adding one other person mm-hmm. or more, you know? So if you've got a business that's got. 30 employees and they all share it. I mean, the thing could possibly go viral within that organization because everyone's going to see it. So distribution is the 80%. It's the, it's what's going to get you the results. It's what's going to get you the views. It's what's going to get you the engagement and the comments and the likes and everything else. Because as soon as one person comments or likes or engages with that piece of content, someone else, somewhere else sees it. That's all that matters. And so I try to educate them. I am no professional Facebook or YouTube marketing genius by any stretch of the imagination. But I can tell you what works is when I think Turn Studio had the, the biggest impact in terms of views and engagements. And they're all in their 20s and 30s. All of them. All the instructors, all the people that go there. I mean, most of their, um, their gym members or their studio members, are like late teens to mid-30s, those people are pretty savvy on social media. And so as soon as one of them saw it, I think that one got like 50-something shares. I mean, it was crazy. And like several thousand views. I was just like mind-blowing. I mean, I got to pull it up now that we're talking about it. Because 
Because people, actually, videos are supposed to be kind of where it's at these days with uh, social media. It is, but it isn't. I mean, it really just depends on where you, where you catch them. You've, you've got to figure out, like, for, for the podcast, what's interesting is what I'm hearing and what I'm finding is that people will listen to one episode, but then they'll listen to another and then another and then another. And so if I've got a 5, 10, 15-minute episode, they'll listen to two or three episodes in an hour, and now they're caught up, so to speak. You know, With video, it requires your undivided attention. And on YouTube, you're getting ads. And on Facebook... You're still in the feed, so yeah, I could get lost. Yeah, like you said, I mean, the ones I listen to, I listen to two or three at a time. Absolutely. And my wife's more video oriented. Mm-hmm. Really, um, I guess it really depends on the person and the way they learn and the way they. It totally depends on it. I'm the type that I'll listen to a podcast, but then I'll go watch the video later if there's something I want to see or mm-hmm. I want to see the faces. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people now are. Record, or recording a podcast, but then now videotaping it. Mm-hmm. I was doing the opposite, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so yeah, really, yeah. it's really weird how that all worked out. But um, let's see here. So turn, turn had thirty six hundred views. What's the name of it? Turn Studio. T U R N. Yep, I interviewed uh, Ashley Francis over there. She's the owner, and um, they had thirteen shares actually. The other one I think I'm thinking of is uh, Ed. Yeah. Ed uh, Navarro with In Detail Auto Salon. He was episode 16. Um, that one got 3,500 views as well, but he had 52 shares. Wow. And, um, I mean, just a ton of 61 likes or, or hearts, nine comments. Like, that's the distribution is where it's at. Mm. Um, so that would be, like, my next piece of advice is once you get someone to agree to it, and it's almost easier if you like, it's, it's hard to explain what you're trying to do initially. When I tried to explain it to people, they were like, so why do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, do you want to do it or not? <laughs> like, I, I thought I did a pretty good job, you know, of That's explaining. Like me, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like either you get it or you yeah. don't. It's a pretty simple concept. Yeah. I'm going to give you a free video that's you telling this community about your business it's like your commercial, basically, right? Yeah. So it's an extended commercial for your business. That's the way. That was my tagline for it. Was like, I want to build you a commercial that's going to be five to ten, maybe fifteen minutes, depending on how long you want to go. Because I don't care. I mean, there's been videos that thirty minutes long that get great reviews. So I don't really care. I'm not romantic about the length. I'm romantic about the content. I want the content to be good. And if I can find someone charismatic in the office to talk about that business or the owner, why did you leave corporate America to do? powerful yeah. really really powerful and they get into it you know um so that's that to me is like the easy part but the consistency and then the push the distribution because without buy-in from them it's going to be hard to get exposure above and beyond what you're already capable of, of doing yeah. it's good that you can put it out to your network and that your network will like it and that maybe it goes one ring out to their network but if you can get their network and then their the third ring, fourth ring out, that's where yeah, it really starts to pick up. Start crossing, exactly. and crossing, and crossing. Exactly. And well, that's kind of part of the value, though, is of you doing it. Or I'm, I think I have like five thousand friends on Facebook, and mm-hmm. you know, ten percent of them watch it. That's yep. or listen to it. I mean, that's a big number. That's a big number. And then, yeah, 
you know, I think you have to, I think sometimes small business people don't understand the importance of social media and, you know, that, but you have to have it. And a lot of times they just don't have the time. I mean, I'm sure they're working 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a gift to them. Absolutely. It seems like, because all they, to your point earlier, to click share and, you know. I mean, I need 20, 30 minutes of their time, you know. And most of them, I've only been turned down by one, actually. Which, even that was kind of shocking. I was like, really? You don't want to do that? But, you know, I can't, I can't get them all. But at the same time, you're exactly right. I'm asking them for 20, 30 minutes of their time, which I'm super grateful for. But at the same time, your value proposition is, look, here's a free piece of marketing. Yes, it has my name attached to it. Yes, it has my business. But that's the price. You, it's just like I'm going to sponsor there's yeah. no difference. No. No difference at all. People ask me all the time, when are you going to get a sponsor for the podcast? I'm like, I am the sponsor. Seriously, you don't want to take it. Take <laughs> Why would I let anyone buy this property? You know, it's just like real estate. Yeah. This is digital real digital estate we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And so why would I give anyone else an opportunity? I mean, everyone thinks that you and I as realtors are fighting against other realtors for attention. That is so not true. I'm fighting other realtors. I'm fighting electricians. I'm fighting the lawn care guy. I'm fighting Joe Rogan. I mean, I'm fighting everyone out there. If there's any other podcast that you listen to and you don't consume mine, I'm fighting against them. And I mean that in the nicest way possible, but they're my competition. Well, the consumer only has so much time. Exactly. And so much attention. And so much effort that they'll put into this. And that's really what like flipped this thing on, on its head for me with the podcast was... Matt, you listen to podcasts all the time. I mean, when I was out mowing lawns all day, I'd listen to eight hours, nine hours of podcasts or books on tape. So 40, 50 hours a week, just constantly listening, constant. I had two different Bluetooth headsets that I would go back and forth because I had to charge this one and get that one. I mean, it was that bad. And so it was, again, really insular to go, if you're listening to all these podcasts, other people are as well. So why are you just doing a video series? You never watch video unless you sit down for an hour and binge Netflix or YouTube or, you know, whatever. And so that really, like, kind of put me in my place. But I'm good with that. Like, I'm okay. My feelings aren't hurt. I'm okay with having the video in the pocket. It's just another way. And because it's so easy, because it's so scalable, I just doubled my audience, theoretically speaking, to go from one to the other. And it's so easy that you just pull it out, you upload it, and away you go. Did you um, do a video for, I mean, do you like video, and like you said, extract it? Yep. Audio? Yep. So you have, that is, yeah. It's so easy. One. It's so easy. And the, the reason I'm trying to do more like what I call native podcasts, which is just meant for the podcast. So I, I go and I shoot a video for um, Every Woman Works, right? Like I did last week, or at the beginning of this week. Um, I shot that video, parts of it last week and two weeks before that. So I compile it all this past weekend. I start putting the B-roll in. I get all the audio right. I get it smoothed out. I put my intro and outro in it, which I don't think I put my outro in it this time. But anyway, um, put put all that stuff in there. And then I actually watch it from start to finish to make sure, okay, did I miss something? Because that one I think was like 38 minutes long. Not, well, many, yeah, not many of I, them. I are. not finish the podcast, I know, because... I had just gotten to the second lady introducing herself. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and Stacey. I started it when I left my house. And started. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. I'm glad you listened. I, I appreciate that. Um, so, 
Yeah, shoot the video, edit it, and then I upload it to Facebook and YouTube on Monday at 10 a.m. because people have gotten into their routine. And I like 10 a.m. on Mondays because you're coming back from the weekend. Most people don't want to be at their jobs or working. Yeah. So they're willing to hop on YouTube or Facebook for 10 or 15 minutes and watch a video. Um, we haven't gotten the, the, the algorithm right on YouTube, but you have to post three or four times a week. And that's why I'm just, I'm okay. It's just like, I hate to say it, but it's like a dumping ground because I can't share a Facebook video to LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I can only share a YouTube video to LinkedIn. Oh, okay. But shoot the video, strip the audio out of it, upload it to the podcast. Now I have the video and the audio live within minutes of each other. That's brilliant. Um, and honestly, the hardest part I think about doing this, so we talked about the 80-20 as far as distribution and the content goes, and then just being disciplined on getting something out on a regular basis. And when I first started, I don't know why, but I thought once a week is good. Like, I think I can manage, and especially if I get super busy, I think I can still manage one episode a week, but even that's a lot. Um, and I would actually, I, I would rather, if you're going to do something like this, I would rather you start with like once a month or twice a month and work up to once a week. Yeah. Because it's so hard to go from once a week down to once a month. You, you basically fall off the radar. You have to constantly be doing something. To ramp it up. It really is. It really is that way. And it's easier to go up than it is to come yeah, back down. Yeah, because, it, I mean, that way you're, by the time you do once a week, you're pretty, mm-hmm. maybe not expert, but you know what you're doing and you, you know, you're more proficient with yep. all the elements of, of getting into the end product. Exactly. And in the same breath, I'll tell you, the first week of January, I put out five episodes, one a day. So I'm a hypocrite, but I did that for like impact. Like I needed a, a yeah. big splash to start. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of set the expectations the next week with, look, I'm doing this once a week this year. Like expect basically 52 or 57, whatever mm-hmm. videos throughout the course of this year from me on events, small business owners, nonprofits, individual community members, whoever will talk to me basically. Yeah. And so consistency, like understanding your philosophy behind it, I think is really important. And then the distribution, understanding that you got to get them to buy into it because you want, and that should be the easiest part mm-hmm. if you're giving them something uh, of value for free. Um, and then I just follow it up. I followed up a lot with, have you heard anything? Like, have you gotten any business from it? Like my goal is to drive business for these businesses, for the nonprofits. I want to see donations come in. I want to see, People watch the video and then go buy a membership to that gym. I want to put the video out and then see them at that restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, I want impact from it. And not just for me either. Like, for the 20 or 30 minutes they that they put that, that, I mean, part that your, your why is not all about, I mean, part of your why is that you want them to refer you business. Sure. Is that implied or is that discussed? Um, I haven't really said anything. But again, it's not my style. Like, the... For a while, I just changed my intro um, on the YouTube or on the uh, videos rather, um, and it's on the podcast, but it, it works a little bit differently. But um, you have that first like ten seconds to try and grab their attention, right? Mm-hmm. Something funny, someone's laughing, some something engaging to like make them want to watch, especially in video. Um, but I've never, I've never even said it honestly. I've never said I'm putting this video together for you free, so the next friend you talk to has to, you know, send them my way. I mean, to me, it is kind of implied, but at the same time, if I found out that, you know, someone I did an episode 
didn't refer me someone, I wouldn't be upset about it. I mean, I, you can't be. You, exactly. And you can't be upset about it either, you know? It's like, to me, that's, like, that's just loser DNA, you know? I'm going to do 57 episodes this year, and if one of them sends me one, I'm good. You know? Like, it was worth it then. I'm good. Well, it's like when I'm writing notes, I don't say anything about real The only thing about real estate is my card. Yep. I never asked for anything. I never, and that's just, I mean, it sounds like you and I have very similar styles in the sense of. Very I'm, similar. I won't, I'm not going to hound you. Yeah. I'll, I don't want to be that guy. Know, I just, well, it's, it's a new generation because I mean, you talk to some of the older agents, you know, they're still knock on doors, cold call. And it, you know what, it worked back then, and, you know, it still works for some people today. It's just, it. I will never be a realtor if that's what I have to do. <laughs> it's just, you know. Well, at some point, right, if there's a downturn and you've got to change your philosophy, like, what if the U.S. Postal Service disappeared tomorrow and you couldn't do mailers anymore? What would you do? I mean, that's how I treat social media. It's how I treat the podcast. It's how I treat... Everything. What if I couldn't go knock on doors now? Well, then what do you do? Like, what if your whole business is reliant on one form of marketing? You're screwed. I mean, totally screwed, right? So that's why I think you have to diversify. And that's why I do a ton of in-person networking events. I think I'm really good in person. I think I can sell most people in person. Um, But at the same time, I don't solely rely on that. That's like the 30% over here. And then all this stuff is another 30%. And then the other 30% right now, as I see it, is referrals. And like just trying to get the name out there and trying to tell so-and-so the next time. But in a very, again, pull way. Like, if you don't send me someone, we're not friends anymore, you know? It's just very, um, very loose. And my expectations are so low. So Uh, low. And, I mean, that's the, you know, people like, you gotta ask for business. I'm like, well, I don't I'm not sure I believe, I mean, if it's someone you know and you're talking and, you know, it, it's, it depends. But you can turn people away so easily. But to go back to your, your point about people sniffing it out, someone, one of your, one of your 5,000 friends on Facebook that knows you pretty well, right? Let's mm-hmm. say you're like top 2%, right? 100, 150, 200 people that know you the best. Yeah. If you called up every single one of them, and gave them that same line about, hey, who do you know who's looking to buy or sell real estate? They would probably go, dude, that's not you. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, and it's funny. That's, you get, when you start this business, you get a lot of that. That's your advice from mm-hmm. 99% of the people is, you know, you got to start you know, farming your uh, sphere of influence and mm-hmm. all that. And I'm like, and that's where, I'm, I mean, while I'm here, I'm like, there's got to be a different way to do that. Yep. And but it's so easy. People love talking about real estate. So like the, the Porsche Club. So I, I bought my dream car four years ago. What did you buy? A 1986 911, right? Oh, wow. I had a poster very similar like up on my wall as a kid. Like that was it. And so when I talked with my mom and dad, I was like, how do I get that car? And they were like, a lot of hard work. I was like, cool, I can do that. And then just started, like, putting in the work. But, like, there was always, similar to, like, the legacy thing now that I have kids. I mean, 
I wanted that car long before I had kids, right? But to me, that was like, I don't care what you think about my car. I really don't. That car's for me. Like, when when I pull up next to a, someone at a stoplight, I don't care what you think. I don't care if you want my color or the look of it. That car's for me. Like, it's so crazy. So anyway, um, uh, for me, joining the Porsche Club was really cool because that's one thing I'm passionate about. And... I love cars. My dad, uh, when I was growing up, worked for the auto industry. He would commute to Detroit and then back home every week. So he'd leave on Monday, come back on Friday. Wow. That was his commute. <laughs> Fly every single week for like five five or six years, I think. And um, I just loved cars growing up. I mean, me and my brother would go hop in the car when I could drive, and I would we'd take him to the dealership and like just look at the new cars. You know, that was our thing. So it was important for me to find something like that that I wanted to be involved with. Similar to the HOA, I wanted to invest. I wanted to put in something in that community so that I could then pull out of it. I mean, it's always a give and take. But what I take out of it is so little compared to what I put into it. I'm good. Like, I feel good. I don't feel guilty about anything there, you know. And it's the same thing with the Porsche Club. Like, legitimately, I went to an event. It was a member party four four and a half years ago every year they do this member party they invite all the members out there's like 3100 members now in in atlanta yeah and um i went out i took my brother i just got in the car like three four months earlier we went out to this event we drove the car like i was i was amped this was my first event with them and honestly did you you have the car at the time yeah so i bought it in like october november the year before Uh, i think it was like 2000 14, 15, something like that. I think it's been five years now this year. Um, but I had the car for three or four months. And then me and my brother hopped in it, drove up to this event. And I was just, I was amped. Like, this oh, is my yeah. first real thing, you know. And um, just to lover. get to, yeah, well, and to get to be around all these other guys that have the same passion as me. That back when I was five years old, had this poster on my wall. And I got there and, like, sat down. First of all... I was the youngest one in the room by like 20 years. So I had zero relation. Like there was no contact there at all for the two of us to be there at all. I mean, my brother's three. I mean, exactly. I was three years younger. My brother's three years younger than me. So he must've been in his like late twenties at this point. I'm in my early thirties and they're like, what's, and no joke. I think it was about a 20 year gap. Anyway, all of that, just to say I went and, um, it was very cliquish. Like there were little groups you know, well, if you don't have this car and you don't have that car. And I, I legitimately got back uh, the next morning and I wrote to the president of the club. And I was like, it's really sad that this was my first one because <laughs> I had such a bad experience. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to help you fix this because this is a problem. You don't want you want inclusive. Yeah. People want that exclusive feeling while being inclusive. Yeah. And so... I have a car, you have a car, they're the same manufacturer, that's all that matters. That's the ticket to get in, <laughs> you know? I have a Porsche picture book, I, love, I mean, that's my, I just don't think I can fit in one. <laughs> you can. Huh? You'd be surprised. The only one, I sent one a Turbo S, mm-hmm. like 10 years ago, and it, and the guy was not as tall as I am, but yeah. broader, I mean, I was thinner <laughs> then, but I was like, I mean, it's a tight fit, but it it's is. a sports car. It is. And, but I've also said in like, I think it just depends on the model. It does. A buddy of mine, uh, Adam, is 6'9", I think. And he's got a uh, 98, 911. Fits in it perfectly. Really? Yeah. Some of the older ones are weird, too, because 
my car is small, but like if I go seat all the way back and even lean the back, mm-hmm. uh, the back of the yeah. seat back, um, I mean, tons of room. I actually do have to move it forward. I'm six two, so yeah. I mean, that's not short, right? Yeah, but the newer ones are definitely bigger. I mean, wider, taller, not much taller, but taller. Um, but anyway, so all of that to say. I went, had a terrible experience, but then I was like, I'm going to help you fix this. Basically, I'm going to, I wanted the younger generation to feel like they had a, a place for Maybe, it. Is that the you reason know? that you didn't have younger members, is they were kind of shunned when they came in? I think that was a big part of it, yeah. And we still have some of it today. I mean, it's it's so hard to break that. I mean, we talk about culture here all the time, you know, with Keller Williams, but each organization has a culture. It doesn't matter if it's five people. There's a culture there. If it's 5,000 people, there's a culture. And the Porsche Club's no different. I mean, there are groups of people that assume that they're snotty and snobby and, like, better than thou type. It's not like that at all. I mean, I've, I, was, um, I was in charge of the social committee for two years, uh, starting two years ago. I'm the vice president of the club this year, um, and I'll be the president next year. And when I, when I say, like, they're some of the most down-to-earth people you'll, you'll ever meet, I really mean it. Now, are there people in the club just like every other thing Absolutely. in life? Just like your neighbors, just like other realtors. Yeah. Like, you just don't associate with them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't. I mean, I don't have time for that drama and no. mess, you know? Um, but you can't put it out there. And then not fix it. Like, it's one thing to write a letter to someone, but it's a whole other to like write it and then go help. You know. Yeah, you can't provo- you can't criticize an issue and not have a solution for exactly. it. Exactly. Or at least try to become a solution for the problem. Exactly. And that's one thing I learned early in my career. Yeah. Like, someone <laughs> says, "Okay, so what? What do you mean? I mean, what's your answer?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't know I'd have both. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I guess that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So um, got involved with that club, and I love it now. I mean, it's – haven't mentioned real estate once. Every single time it comes up, someone else is bringing it up. Every single time. I haven't brought up real estate to one single – and I got a lead from it, actually. I have a house over in Smyrna off Paces Ferry that we're listing. I'm going to take pictures, actually, at um, one thirty. Yeah. And um, it's uh, and, and people are like, where are you now? I hate name tags. I mean, it's just yeah, it's that's one of those like fifty fifty things that I bought one because everything in Ignite, you know, told me you oh, gotta yeah. have one. And uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'll get one. Spent like forty bucks, and I never wear it because yeah. my mentor in the office was like, I just don't really like the way it looks, and it doesn't to me. Most professionals don't wear name tags, and I'm like. Because I'm not wearing my name tag now. Because I like that. Like, he and I are very similar in that respect. Who's your mentor? Uh, Dan Griffin. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're very similar in that. That, like, I'm not expecting to pick someone up at the grocery store. I'm just not. Yeah. You know, and that's fine for me. It may be different for someone else. But I, I'm not critical of that. I don't judge. Like, if you want to wear a name tag, cool. If it works for you, like, mm-hmm. but all I care about is results. And I want it to work. I wear, it you know? I wear it in the office because I want people to remember my name. Yeah. When I get in the car, I take it off, put it yeah. in my console. I'm, <laughs> I never, you know, I bought a couple of Keller Williams, like, golf shirts because yeah. I'm like, 
Let's get. I mean, I, that looks a little more natural. I can but deal I only with that. wear that at certain. I mean, it's not I can like deal I with those. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, it's like I don't mind giving things a shot, but. Well, yeah. see, so that's the other thing about social media. You were talking earlier about like why and how small business owners don't understand it. All social media is really doing is a mega. It's a megaphone for your life. Mm-hmm. So if you're the type of person that's going to wear your name tag and the Keller Williams shirt and have a sticker on the side of your car, you know what I mean? Like you're the same person that's bashing away on your keyboard about how you're looking for more referrals or how you're looking for more homes to sell or buy or, you know, whatever. And that, again, totally fine for whoever that is. But all the social media is doing is putting a megaphone on who you are as a person. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, it's like good. A governor said one time to the media, he's like, I don't need you. I've got Twitter. Right. I've got Facebook. I've got... And really, that's a bigger bigger distribution network than the 5 o'clock news. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of people are watching news anymore, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. Nope. You're right. We work in the news. I mean, a lot of the the stuff in our other business, you know, so I don't watch the news. I just... You get... it's overwhelming. I mean, well, social media is overwhelming. Oh, you think about no everything doubt. that's coming at you. No doubt. Well, and then you add a business page to it, and you're trying to put content out oh there. I mean, God. that's a whole other animal. What, what I think is important, though, to say or to state here is that it's, for me at least, it's more about what I enjoy doing than what I think is working. So do I think commercials work? Yes. Do I think they work as well as they used to? No. Do I think Facebook ads work? 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I get analytics. I know the numbers. I know people are seeing it. Now, what they do with it, I don't really know. I'm not, get, I'm not getting phone calls every week saying, hey, I saw your Facebook ad. <laughs> I want to sell my house with you, you know? Yeah. Um, yet. To me, like Facebook ads in particular for selling Sandy Springs is trying to get more people to interview, trying to buy and sell homes, and trying to keep my name brand awareness out there. I changed the name like a month, month and a half ago, the Facebook page from Selling Sandy Springs to Selling Sandy Springs with Matt LaMarche because I wanted people to associate and I didn't want to have a third page, like personal business, another third page for Matt LaMarche, the real estate agent. I'm good. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you know I'm a realtor by now. Yeah. Like, no, and it's, I mean, it's all I can do to keep up a exactly. page and exactly. a personal page. Right. I post on business, share on personal, yep. and, you know, um, but. Oh, okay, so going back to the what works and what doesn't, again, everything works on some level. But if you put $1,000 into print versus $1,000 into Facebook, Facebook's going to get you better results. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that print isn't working. It just means that there's a higher cost associated oh, with it. Yeah, I mean, to do... A monthly mailer just to your neighborhood, you know, is. I'm I'm paying like three four hundred dollars every time I send one out to my closest neighbors, three hundred four hundred neighbors, like a dollar a piece. Oh, that's that's what I'm paying. Yeah, but it goes in the trash. I guarantee ninety. I mean, that's what I do with it. My marketing brain comes on and goes, "Hmm, interesting. They misspelled that." Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's legitimately how my mind works. So I look at it. But if, it, if I don't think that it applies to me, you're exactly right, straight into the trash. However, I know there's an older generation, at least in my neighborhood, that 
oh, look at that. Matt LaMarche is selling real estate now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I'm doing all of it at the same time, just putting a little bit in that bucket and dumping a ton of time and money and effort into social media because I know that's where I can get. Do you do a monthly mailing? Uh, I do. No, not like uh, print. Yeah. No. No. I did one when we sold that place um, in my neighborhood back in June. We closed on a Friday. They had it in their mailbox on Saturday and Sunday or Monday. Mm-hmm. And um, I've done that one and like one other one. Everything else that I've mailed has been handwritten. And I like when I get a handwritten note. Like, so for all that like other stuff that they tell you when you first start, that's like the only thing that I've attached to. And I enjoy it now. Like my handwriting's terrible. So it's if anyone's ever work. gotten one from me, they're like, God, I should have been a doctor. Um, my wife, I had a dollar every time my wife said that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I write and I don't, I can't write in cursive or yep. whatever. Me neither. I read it. Me neither. But no one, I mean, no one gets handwritten notes, so they'll open it. Exactly. They may not do anything with exactly. it. Exactly. You know, I mean, but I'm also writing the people I, I pretty much know. I, most of them I know personally, mm-hmm. versus, but some I can gently know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, people will open that. That's the thing. Yep. I even and it's just nice. It is. It, it's a ni- I mean, it feels nice writing it. It feels nice receiving it. And, and that's why I put the hour into it, you know, because it's a lost art. It really, really is. And all I do is throw my business card in there. Like you said, right. That's all I do. I don't mention real estate in it at all. I don't ask for a referral yeah. in it. I just write a note that says, Hey, Thanks for your contribution to our neighborhood. Or, hey, saw you just had a birthday. Happy birthday. Or saw you guys went on a great vacation. Whatever. Like, so connecting these two, I think, is really cool. Because you see, like, I grew up with social media. So I was in college when Mark Zuckerberg was at Harvard. So when it came to Kennesaw State, where I went to school, it's like, what is this thing? And now when you look at that, like what it was versus what it is now, it's nothing like what it first started out as. However, and I think I know it pretty well, but I think more and more people are getting stuck here and are not able to connect this dot with that dot. It used to be weird to be like, hey, I saw on Facebook, you went on vacation. People were like, get away from me, creep. (laughs) But now it's like, yeah, we did. It was great. You know, exactly. Well, and if you're putting it out there for people to see, what did you expect to happen? Yeah. (laughs) It's like coming over to my house and me showing you a slideshow or videos or or pictures of my last vacation. There's no difference. It's the exact same thing. You're going to ask questions. You're going to have natural inclination. Just like we do on... stalking. I mean, exactly. if, you're, if you're putting it out there, I mean... It just it used there. to feel weird because it was so new. Like, people didn't know how to engage and interact with each other. That. that is true. It's so weird. Yeah. Anyway. We have legislators come up. Hey, did you and I have a great time? I mean, where'd y'all... I, mean, I saw y'all at the beach and yep. this and that and the other. So it's amazing. It is. But I will say this. I know you've got to go. Yeah. Last week, um, when I first texted you, I reserved uh, sellingsminings.com. Yeah. And the other thing I think you've done well, and I've copied you, so I hope that's a All good. form of flattery. Absolutely. Is you, the website you use. Yeah. They give us this playsetter website. It's convoluted. It's it's nicer than they used to be. But, yeah, yeah. And, but I've done several websites on GoDaddy, like you know what you've done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is more personal. Yep. It's not overwhelming. Because mm-hmm. I look at these that we have, and it's just like, yeah. And it doesn't really mean anything. Right. So, I mean, I, and the coupons you did? 
free uh, free one hour consulting buyer. Person. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I thought Appointments. That was clever. Yeah, and so you can book an appointment online. Yeah, yeah, I set it up. I mean, and then amazing. it shoots me a text. I mean, it's. Do people do that? I, I haven't gotten any yet. I mean, I just set it up like a month ago. Okay. I just haven't put it out there. I, I mean, I think I mentioned it one time. I saw time. that. I was like, oh my, yeah, I've got that set up because um, that is such an easy way to. This is what I don't understand. About a month ago, I did that, right? And I think I put it on my Instagram story. I was like, look, you can book an appointment with me now because everyone, everyone that I see in public, in person, says, you're just, you're so busy. Like, it doesn't matter how they keep up with me, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or even just on the phone or email. Like, I'm very quick about most everything, right? And I treat email just like I do Facebook, just like, I mean, if someone comments on one of my things and I haven't checked on it, I feel guilty. I'm like, they engaged with me. They tried. And now, I'm, you know what I mean? So now I've got two notifications here on Facebook. You're like Let's me. See. I like it to be real time. As clean. As clean. Um, so um, when thinking about um, my time, I'm like, I, I've studied time management. I know I have the same 24 hours that you do, but I like to work out. I like to spend time with my kids and my wife. And doing car stuff. And so I just divvy that time up tighter. And I think people waste a lot of time. And everyone that sees me out and says, you've got so much going on. I'm like, yeah, but look at my calendar. Like, it's just back to back to back to back for like four hours. But then I got four hours where I'm just doing Selling Sandy Springs. Or I've got tomorrow that I'll do. It's so... And like... Even right now, my phone is on Do Not Disturb, so I haven't gotten one notification. I keep checking it just to make sure we're still recording, but um, outside of that, I mean, that Do Not Disturb is like a lifesaver, you know, um, because you, you have to turn it off. You have to be able to focus on something for some amount of time, and, um, you know, that's why when I, when I met with Mike um, before I even came here, I told him about selling Sandy Springs and what I wanted to do with the videos and like I'm gonna attach Keller Williams first Atlanta to this like are you good with that is that gonna be a problem later on like I mean I'm not gonna say anything off color but it is me like it's my personality and I don't know what the person interviewing is gonna say interviewee is gonna say so are you good with this and he's like I love it let's do it and he's such an out-of-the-box thinker and it's so rare it's so rare even in this world that's changing as fast as it is I mean you know, between Zillow's and, and all the other sites and apps that are coming out, it's like, you have to think creatively. Because it's getting scary a little bit. I mean, if you read some of the articles. Um, I'm not worried about it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not well, worried about it. Adjust, you've got to adjust. You definitely have to adjust all the time, yeah, though. But that's anything in life. Yeah. I mean, where, where are the dinosaurs? Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Um, but yeah, Mike, I mean, it's off. I mean, Sean was always all the box thinker and... Mike is, and I, it's just, um, I'm going to be a realtor, I'm going to be a realtor here. Yeah, no, I love this office, and I told him the other day, we did a podcast on Monday, and I told him, I was like, I, I don't even think I've told you this, but one of the things that I missed about um, like working in corporate America was the camaraderie, like being in an office, Yeah. and I didn't have that for like four years. Because when I went out on my own to start the landscaping thing, I mean, it was just me. And I started it in September of uh, 2015, I think it was. 
And then for like six months was just completely alone. And it was really lonely. I mean, really lonely. Because <laughs> for someone that's extroverted, I mean, I was getting business and I was out selling, but I wasn't, there was no one else there. Like once the work had to be done, I was it. Yeah. And um, I had a chance to bring on my first employee, which was my cousin, actually. And that was nice, but it wasn't the same. You know, it wasn't, we saw each other every day, all day, but that was it. Like, when you're out weed whacking and mowing, you're not, you're not, you're not conversing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but no, so anyway. We've, I mean, like I said, we've run our, we've had our firm for over 10 years, and we work out of our house. So you do... You get that. a new groove, and we do a lot of meetings. It's how I mean, so we're interacting yeah. with people. It's not like that, but <laughs> you know, you can go a few days just conference calls. Yeah, and it's we're interacting with each other, which is great. But <laughs> you know, it's like the it's like I don't want to have to go and drive over saying which you know twenty minute drive. And once I get here, it's like ah, oh, there's interaction. There's people. Even uh-huh. if you're just listening to people, a hundred percent, and listening to the conversation, yeah. and that's where you sometimes realize oh, the cold calling. Mm-hmm. You know. How long have you had office here? I don't get it. Um, two, two months? Two and a half months? Has that worked out pretty good? Yeah, one, I kind of did it for two reasons. I wanted to be in here so that I could network with more agents. Yeah. Um, and hopefully communicate that, look, if you need an agent in Sandy Springs, I'm the only one you need to talk to type mm-hmm. thing. Um, and hopefully they're all listening. Um, <laughs> but additionally, um, my kids were out of school for the summer. Oh. And we had a nanny at the house, and so I, I, I mean, I have an office at, at home, but it's downstairs, and it's right there. So for me to remain focused, you know, I'm here five to ten hours a week, mm-hmm. give or take. Most everything else is done out, you know, when I'm taping, when I'm recording, yeah. whatever, like all of that pretty much is done yeah. elsewhere. I've done a couple here, but... Um, for the most part, it's done out there. But I needed somewhere to come be. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I like it. I, I think I'll keep it, actually, even when they go back to school next month. Because I like having somewhere to go. Before that, I felt like I didn't really belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, you know, there's so many agents, awesome agents in this office, too, that awesome. I know I know, good stuff is, gonna, is just going to come from that. So, like, talking about social media or whatever else, I feel like it's a good investment mm-hmm. in, the, in the meantime or for now. Um, I've talked with other people that said, yeah, I was in the office and I came out. And I mean, I just think it's different, different for everyone. But um, so what else, what other, I mean, I'm good for a little while. So what, what other questions do you have or any other concerns? No, I think or? you've covered everything. I mean, because you've gotten into the how-tos and it is a lot more simple than I and honestly, if you want, I think next, yeah, next week on um, the 2nd, I believe it is, next Friday, I'll be over at um, VMware, which used to be uh, Airwatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be doing a video with uh, three or four of their folks, um, actually over in Dunwoody, um, over at Moondog Growlers. Let me see if I can pull that up. Um, I don't growlers? know. Yes, beer growlers. Yes. Uh, yeah, 2 p.m. What's it called? Moondog? Moondog growlers. It's over near the village, if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's like a primrose or daycare or something. It is, yeah. 
um, right next door, but we'll be shooting in there. They have three or four people that are going to do the interview. I think it's nice to like kind of mix it up a little bit mm-hmm. and have a couple different people. Some what organizations don't have that. Uh, two o'clock. So if you want to see yeah, like how that's set up and how it all kind of goes down, I mean, that'll be a really good one too because it's a huge organization. I think they've got four people that are going to talk on camera. Um, they're talking about VMware, obviously, but they're talking about Sandy Springs. They're talking about, I think one of them lives and works here. Another one lives just outside of Sandy Springs but works here. Um, you know, wants to talk about their uh, charitable stuff that they do, um, which is a ton. And that's like a big part of their culture. Um, that's why we're talking about it there. And then um, one other, that's, I think she lives and works in Sandy Springs as well. But anyway, that'll be a good yeah, one. Yeah, my to son's going to be 17. He lives in Nashville with his mother, and he's coming down next Wednesday for about five or six days. We're oh, cool. Go to the Falcons, one of the preseason games. Oh, but nice. He's, he used to have a, he may still have a YouTube channel. Hmm. Like, you know, it's just like they play games and upload it to YouTube. Yeah. It's just oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And he had a pretty good following, and he's a great editor. I may bring him because that might be a yeah. side job I could pay him to do. Absolutely. You know, do the editing and part of it's just I, we're trying to instill a good work ethic in him and you know this day and time but he went out and got a job at this pizza place in Nashville and you know nice. he like, you know what he like he doesn't want his mom tell him what to do so he's like no 17 year old boy <laughs> that wasn't me at all right mom <laughs> no yeah I get that I mean I think how old are your kids uh, seven and Seven and four, I had to think about it, because seven-year-old's turning eight in October. But, um... It's a fun age. It's so much fun. It's Being so a parent's fun. like the, you know... That's the thing, I want to... I'd like to build this so the car could take it over after college. Yeah. I mean, I think if he went out, he needs to work a little bit in reality and everything. Yep. But, you know, I think I see it as a legacy. I think there's a big piece there too that like if more people understood how much fun this business can be and market mm-hmm. in a different way there'd be a lot more realtors yeah i think i mean i think most people get into it for the money which is fine but at the end of the day what you're a millionaire i mean cool if that's your thing and that's your only thing but like don't you want to make a bigger impact on something else than that yeah. and if you don't no big deal but i don't know I just think money doesn't isn't all of it. <laughs> well, no, you've got to you got to enjoy what you do. You got to yeah. be fulfilled with it, and you got to you know. I think no, not every. I mean, I want to make a difference at the end of the day. Sure. For someone, and it's like even if you make money, you can help more people. It's just like I mean, there's no. They're so connected, and people don't understand that at all. No. And if more realtors, I feel like knew that you could do stuff like this, that's. I mean, it's fun for me. It's certainly not fun for everyone. But if you could get outside of the box for a little while and think about different ways to market, is it going to take longer? Yeah, probably. But is it going to be a lot more fun? 100%. Well, I mean, I believe you need to have fun with whatever you're doing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Or you're going to be miserable. People around you are going to be miserable. 100%. My wife has shut that down. <laughs> your time, I appreciate your time. Man. No worries, man. so awesome. No, thank you. And I appreciate the invite. Not no doubt. Not my calendar, but I, I think I need to see the man in action. And sure. See how this no, works. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the, I mean, you definitely have done some research, so I appreciate that. Um, 
Hope you. Now I'm a techie body. guy, and I love this stuff. And it's like I'm 47, and when I hit my early 40, I realized I was slowing down as far as under. I mean, it's like Carter. Just, <laughs> I always need more than Carter, and then all of a sudden it was a big <laughs> shift. And it happens. Like, well, even and my wife's an attorney as well, and she's they know nothing about technology. Mm. And lately, she's been we had to get new iPhones a couple weeks ago, and she's like, "No, you do this, Bernard. No, you do that." I'm like, "No, I know more about this than y'all do." And it's just like I I feel. That's when I started feeling old is when I was like, okay, I'm not <laughs> up to speed on all this. And I've never in my life said, I don't want to get a new iPhone. I had to get one because I couldn't hear anyone. It was screwed up. I've never said, I don't want to get a new iPhone. Mm. And I was like, no, I know how this works. <laughs> like, I'm becoming my parents. <laughs> oh, my God. See, I'm that way with my kids right now. Um, not the technology thing or the shift, but I I say things and I'm like, that is Steve LaMarche. Like, he said that to me so many times, you know? Or that's Karen. Karen used to say that all the time. Like, I'm literally, as the words are coming out of my mouth, I'm like, you're your mother. You're it's your like father. It's like those commercials where the people <laughs> have the bit. All right, now just hit me on this old cell here. And, you know, the, I'm just right. sitting there going, I don't look like him. But God almighty. I <laughs> that's how like I feel him. sometimes. And I'm like, and I try so... I don't think my parents took best parents, so I, I tried really hard not to do a lot of things they did. Mm. But sometimes you just can't help it. It's you just can't. ingrained. Absolutely. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, Carter's benefited from the fact that I have tried to be so, I mean, you've got, you got to let them have a little rope to kind of figure Absolutely. things out. Absolutely. And you've got to be there to pull it back when you need to. So being a t- the teenage years are just totally, totally different. But yeah. 17, he's fun. Yeah. He and a friend came went with us to the beach a few weeks ago. Nice. That was interesting. Nice. That was interesting. <laughs> so his friend decided to break up with his girlfriend on the trip. Oh, boy. Back in Nashville because he wanted to flirt with other girls. Oh, <laughs> boy. Well, he's so he, he just didn't want to. <laughs> hey, you know what? I commend him that he didn't want to, like, cheat on her. So he's just like, <laughs> I'm not saying they do things the right way. <laughs> It's just a different world. Uh, How old are you? I am 36. I'll be 37 in uh, two weeks. Those 10 years make a difference. I'm just like, Ellen's nine months older than me, so I was like, that's my cougar. But it's like, we're, we're going to be able to join AARP here in about two and a half years. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I don't want 55 cent coffee at McDonald's just because I can. Well, you know, it's funny. When I, when I turned 30, we, we had my daughter. Um, so I turned 30 in two months That's how old I was when we had Carter. Well, you know, when I, we got married when we were 25, well, I was 25, my wife is three years older than me. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely married up <laughs> in more than one way. I don't remember my uh, coverage. <laughs> exactly. Right um, but as soon as I had 30, like I couldn't eat what I used to eat. I can't, I got to work out harder than I used to, or more than I used to work out. And then 35 hit and I was like, well, at least it'll, at least it'll just continue on this same trajectory. And it was like a new plateau of low. I was like, what is going on here? You know, so like 40, 40, she, my wife just turned 40. I look at 40 and 45 and 50 and I'm like, 40's a big, <sighs> you'll start wearing these. I swear to God, everyone's like, and when you, I start with readers and I'm like, no. And then I'm like, you're at the urinal <laughs> with the paper. You're like, <laughs> did the branch win? <laughs> So it's just like, 
Oh my god! Does that look fuzzy over there? <laughs> no, I'm fine. And then like weight, it's like I used to in my twenties, late twenties, early thirties, I could do no carbs. Mm-hmm. You know, no carbs for two weeks, drop twenty pounds. Yep. I do no carbs now. If I'm down five pounds in two weeks, it's just like <laughs> my doctor's. What are we going to have to do to move the scale? <laughs> the lipo. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, we'll see you, we'll on, see you Friday on Friday next Friday. week. I'll thanks shoot you. You got the address, or you want me to shoot it to you? No, I just, I, it came okay. up actually when I cool. it, uh, in. Uh, that's what I love about the yeah. calendar. It just pops up. It's awesome. Very good. Cool. <laughs> awesome, hey, man. Take thanks care. so much. Hey, good luck with the house. Today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, I did not expect that to go for an hour and 45 minutes, hour and 15 minutes. Nevertheless, hopefully um, maybe something in this almost two hours uh, is valuable to you or gives you a better uh, idea uh, for me or what I do or why I do what I do. I don't know. Maybe it has no value at all to you. Either way, we're trying some long-form podcasts now. And uh, I asked this gentleman if we could record this. I've had this conversation countless times with people about starting a podcast or starting a video series or people inside my industry, people outside my industry. And I just asked him, hey, can I record this? Because I think it might be valuable. So hopefully it is. If it isn't, I apologize. Hopefully you don't feel like it was a complete total waste of time um, on your uh, whatever day you're listening to this. But anyway, thanks for checking it out. I appreciate it nonetheless. If you're not following along on Instagram stories, as you heard from this, a lot of content being put out on Instagram, specifically stories, posts, not so much. At M. Lamarsh, at M-L-A-M-A-R-S-H. You can email me at matt at mattlamarsh.com. That's the website as well, mattlamarsh.com. Sellingsandysprings.com and at sellingsandysprings on Facebook and YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. really appreciate it. Um, Let me know if you enjoyed the longer form here. Having a lot of these conversations here lately, both with people inside my industry, as well as outside the industry. And um, again, maybe there's something of value, maybe there's not, but I will let you be the judge. So hit me on Instagram, shoot me a DM if you listen to this whole thing, and say, Matt, You're crazy. And I'll know exactly what you're talking about. Have a great rest of the day. Peace.